Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 7 through 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Deuteronomy chapter 10 Verse 17, I've got it on the screen, reads, For the Lord, uh, read it with me. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God and mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes bribes. God is the God of gods, and he is the Lord of lords. Now, if you agree with that, say amen. We all agree with that. And the New Testament tells us he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We've been doing a verse-by-verse study on the, in the book of Exodus. If you've been with us on Wednesday evenings, you know that. And as I have been reading through the book and reading the story anew, afresh, the story to me, as I see it, is not so much, listen, give me your attention, the story is not so much a struggle between Moses and Pharaoh or a struggle between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. The story of Exodus is actually a story of God's victory over the false gods of Egypt. The story of Exodus is a story of God who is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords. Psalm 86, verse 8. If you're taking notes, you write that down. It reads, Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 6. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. God is the God of all gods. There is no God like our God. That's six people that agree with me. <laughs> there is no God like our God. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Now, if you haven't been with us, listen, Moses, Aaron, had already gone to the Pharaoh, asked him to let the people go, asked him to let the Hebrew slaves go, and he refused, and you know the story, maybe if you've been with us, he increased their labor. And Moses and Aaron went back, and they threw the rod down. You remember that story, and the rod became a serpent, and Pharaoh's evil men, magicians and sorcerers did the same thing. They threw their rods down, and they became a serpent. Verse 11, chapter 7. 
And Aaron's rod, you know, swallowed up their rod. But look at chapter 7 in verse 13. But the Bible tells us, chapter 7, verse 13, And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now, that's where we left off the last time. Let's pick up right there in verse 14. Exodus chapter 7, saints, beginning in verse 14. I'll tell you something before we get into it. We're going to read big chunks of text tonight. So let me just get you to hold on to your hat and pay close attention as we read big chunks. And then we'll come back and uh, have some comments, have some exposition. So in Exodus chapter 7, we pick up in verse 14. If you're there, say amen. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is heavy, dull, thick, hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, Moses, when he goes out to water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord in verse 17, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood, and the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both, note this, saints, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron, they did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and he struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of the Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died and the river stank. And the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all of the land of Egypt. And then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Isn't that amazing? Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river of the water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days in verse 25 passed after the Lord had struck the river. Stop right there. Give me your attention. So Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. And God begins a series of 10 plagues. Now, we all know this story from Sunday school. So God begins a series of 10 plagues. The first of the 10 plagues to come upon Egypt is the water turns to blood. The judgment, first of all, comes upon the Nile River in Egypt. Now, before we actually look at the plagues, and tonight we will probably get to two or three of them. But before we look at the plagues, I want you to know that there is a purpose behind the plagues. There's a purpose behind the plagues. What's that, Rodney? Well, number one, the purpose, don't you remember in Exodus chapter 5, and you look this up in your own time, but in Exodus chapter 5, 
You remember the story as Moses walks in and he says, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh arrogantly said, who is this God that I should obey him? Well, the first purpose of the plague, I believe, is to answer that question. He said, who is this God that I should obey him? Well, Pharaoh is about to find out who this God is really quick. So the first purpose of the plague is that God would answer the question, who is this God? He is God. The second purpose of the plague was to show that God is greater, as I said, than any of the Egyptians' gods. You know, it's almost like, you know, my dad can beat up your dad. You remember that? My dad can beat up your dad. I heard this story of these uh, three boys in school, and they're in the schoolyard bragging about their fathers. And so the first boy says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, and he calls it a poem, and they pay him $50. Well, the second boy says, well, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, and he calls it a song, and they give him $100. And the third boy says, well, I got you both beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a sermon, and it takes eight people to collect all the money. My dad's bigger than your dad. God is greater than all gods. Amen, saints? Now, the purpose of the plague, as I said, was to show... Now, watch this. Now, listen close. The purpose of the plagues was to show that God is greater and that God is going to bring judgment upon the gods of Egypt. There's an interesting verse in Numbers chapter 33, verses 1 through 4, and it reads this. These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at at the command of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their starting point. They departed from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, On the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. For the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had killed among them. Also, note this, on their gods, the Lord had executed judgments. In other words, saints, listen close. God's judgment upon Egypt is upon their deities upon their gods. What God is doing is destroying in their minds that their idols are not gods. Their idols are not gods. And by the way, Micah chapter 15 says, in the last days, right before the Lord returns to the earth during the tribulation, God says, I will do signs and wonders as when I brought the people out of Egypt. You can fast forward through into the book of Revelation, and in the third bold judgment, the water is turned to blood. You see these signs as they go through because God is always destroying in the minds of people that their gods are not God. David said their gods have eyes, but they cannot see. They've got ears, but they can't hear. They've got hands, but they can't reach out and touch. They got mouths and tongues, but they can't taste. Their gods are not gods. There is only one God. And his name, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, is Jesus. 
So God is pulling them apart and destroying them. And in the last days, there's going to be signs and wonders. Again, God proving himself to be God. Many of the plagues that fell on Egypt will fall on the world even in the last days. Now, last week, if you were with us, you remember, I told you that the Egyptian people were superstitious and polytheistic. In other words, they, they worship many gods. They were so superstitious, get this, they were so superstitious and polytheistic, they had many, many, many gods, that they, they could take time off of work and school to go worship their god. Which I don't know if people don't do that today. Well, I'm going to take vacation. Got to take my boat out. Got to go to my timeshare. But these people were incredibly superstitious and polytheistic. Check this out. Egyptologists tell us that there are or were approximately 80 major gods worshipped by the Egyptians. They worshipped the frog, the bull, the calf, the vulture, the hippopotamus, the scorpion. They worshipped the baboon, the, the, the crocodile. There was a god of agriculture, a god of livestock. They had the god of weather the god of fertility, they had the god of battle, the god of health. They had a cooking god, (laughs) which should show up at my house. No, just, oh, hey, sweetie. (laughs) I'm just kidding, you know. And he does. Yes, you did. You made me a wonderful dinner last night, and I love you. (laughs) They had racks of gods. And their gods were angry. And you had to pay them off. You know, their gods were like the mob, man. Their gods were like on the take. I don't know about you, but I am glad that we serve a God that isn't angry and isn't on the take. You don't have to appease our God. He was already satisfied when his son's blood was shed. And we don't have to make our God happy. We don't have to appease our God. We don't have to pay him off, which is what some people do nowadays. They try to buy God off. We don't have to buy him off. All we need to do is respond to his son. And then walk in response to what Jesus has already done. And that satisfies God, and that makes God happy. So you want to notice now, as we get into the plagues, you want to notice that each one of these judgments, God is judging their gods, and the first God to be judged is the waters of the Nile. Plague number one, the waters become blood. Now let me share something with you. The Nile River in Egypt was the life of Egypt. They worshiped the Nile. They had an Egyptian god called Kum, K-H-N-U-M, and he was said to be the guardian of the Nile. There was the god Hapi, H-A-P-I. Sounds like happy, but it's actually pronounced Hapi, H-A-P-I. And he was said to be the spirit of the Nile. The god Osiris, was said to have the Nile running through his veins. The Egyptians would sing a song, Hail to thee, O Nile, that issues from the earth and comes to keep Egypt alive. 
The Nile was considered sacred and the giver of life. And notice God is saying, okay, you worship the Nile that brings life. It will also bring forth death and it will be turned to blood. God destroying their gods again. Notice in verse 19 through 25, we just read it. All the waters, the streams, the rivers, the ponds, the pools of water become blood. Even the water in the pitchers and the buckets became blood. Now, listen to me close. There are always people we know who seek to discredit the miracles of God. And there are some people who would say that the water turning to blood in Egypt was a red tide. It was a red tide in Egypt that happens once in a while. Listen, God, I don't know what these people are thinking or what are they reading. God is clearly putting away that thought before man even has it by turning the water to blood that's in the bowls and the pitchers. In other words, right at that moment, are you still with me? Right at that moment, if you were pouring a glass of water and the water was struck and turned to blood, that water going into that glass would have turned to blood. God was destroying that mindset. That would be an awfully weird red tide for it to be able to jump from the river into the kitchen and turn the water in the refrigerator to blood. Some people are just stupid. That's just ridiculous. You see, this is a miracle. It's a sign from God. And then you want to notice in verse 22, the magicians, somehow they found water somewhere and they brought it to Pharaoh and they said, don't worry, look, we got this. It's a trick. They said, watch this. And they did the same thing. And they turned the water to blood, which caused Pharaoh's heart to become harder. Now, the thing that we need to realize, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the thing that we need to realize is that there is real power, saints. Listen, there is real power in the occult. Do not mess with the occult. Some people like to play around with it. And unfortunately, I have heard of Christians who want to play around with Ouija boards and tarot cards. And when they're on vacation, going into the um, you know, the little um, palm reading rooms and, and all of this. And it's like, oh, I'm just going in there because it's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, it's just fun. Ha, ha, ha. Listen, playing with the devil is not fun. Somebody say amen. amen. Playing with the devil is not fun. The occult is real. Youth people, don't mess with that. These magicians and these sorcerers, they are empowered by the devil. They are doing works. They are doing signs and wonders that are being performed not by man, but by the devil. Not by God, but by Satan. By the way, which will happen, talking about the book of Revelation, will also happen in the last days. The Bible says that false Christ will come in the last days doing signs and wonders. These men threw down their rod and it turned to a serpent. They turned water to blood. These men reproduced the miracles that Moses and Aaron did. And because they could do the miracles, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Very interesting. Now listen, 
It's very interesting observation. The first plague was water into blood. And it speaks of judgment or the law. The first miracle that Jesus did was turn water into wine, which speaks of joy and grace. And you might remember, as Moses came down from the mountain, 3,000 people died, speaks of judgment. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved, speaks of joy. You see, with Jesus Christ, there's always joy. With Jesus, there's always grace. With the law, it's always legal. It's always harsh. It's always rituals and rules. You see that interesting contrast. Now, interesting little observation. Now, the second plague, we want to look at it in chapter 8. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with what, saints? Frogs. And so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your houses, into your bedrooms, on your beds, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come upon you and on your people and on all your servants. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. And so Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Stop right there. Give me your attention. In this second plague, God told Moses, to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and if you don't, frogs are going to come upon the land. Pharaoh hardened his heart, Aaron stretched out his rod over the Nile, and frogs came out and covered the land of Egypt. Now, the frog god, I'm going to give you a lot of info tonight that is probably absolutely useless, but you can write it down if you like. The frog god was named Hecht, H-E-K-E-D. The Egyptians believed that Hecht was the wife of the creator of the world. The god was a woman with a frog's head. Why would someone who is the creator of the world marry a woman that looks like that? I don't know. So the goddess, Hecht, had a frog's head and a human body. Now listen, the Egyptians, they have a real problem now because frogs were worshipped, much like cows are worshipped in India. I've been to India a couple of two times or three times maybe, and, and, and I'll tell you, I've never ceased to be amazed. There are cows walking down the freeways. There are cows holding up traffic. There are people starving in certain locations in India, and a cow will walk right by them, and they will not eat it. Because they believe in reincarnation, and they believe that maybe the cow is a family member who came back as a cow. 
So maybe the cow is Uncle Harry, and we can't eat Uncle Harry. Now let me say, if I'm starving and a cow walks by, I see a T-bone. That's what somebody, T-bone lovers say, amen. I see a steak, rump roast, something. I tear that cow up. <laughs> I tear that cow up. I ain't going to starve, but this is what they do. And why? Because the, the cow is worshipped in India. And in Egypt, the frog is worshipped. So what we have is they won't even kill the frogs because they worship them. So we've got millions and millions of frogs in their homes, in their beds, I mean, can you imagine you're getting ready to go to bed, you pull back the sheets and ribbit? I mean, and lots of them. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.